You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7. Professor David Kirk Philp here, Music Biz 101 and more. This is a very special podcast that you're listening to with myself and the esteemed Dr. Esteban Marconi. In this episode, we interview Paul Sinclair, GM Atlantic Records. We normally have a normal, that's why it's normal, beginning, but the beginning of this has been abridged so that we can go right to the interview and you can start listening to what Paul Sinclair of Atlantic Records has to say about what's going on with COVID-19. Now we have our guest, Paul Sinclair, who is the GM, general manager of Atlantic Records. Mm-hmm. Is that like three-star general, four-star general, one-star general? How, how, what kind of general are you? Um, it's an interesting thing. I think I'm more like a... Uh, um, so when I was in uh, Colonial Williamsburg, I met uh, George Washington and I said, oh, are you General George Washington, right? There's people in character. And he said, no, sir, I am Colonel George Washington. And ah. I feel like that's sort of more attuned to like, you think I'm a general, but I'm actually a, you know, lieutenant colonel or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I do notice the bars on your uh, shoulders. So it looks yeah. as, almost like a Michael Jackson jacket too. Yeah. The, um, yeah. the last time I saw you t- two fine gentlemen, I was able to... Um, uh, come within, you know, six inches of you and give you a hug. So if I could yeah. see it right now, I wouldn't do that. So I'll send you my virtual hugs. I, I was thinking we timed that visit perfectly because I think it was three weeks ago yesterday that we, right. were, that we brought 20 people in to see you in the city. And it was right before everything went down. So, um, and I've not gotten any comments or anything from any of those students who said that they're with it. So got in, got out. Yeah. What, which, do you remember what day of the week that visit was? It was a Thursday. Right. So it was probably within a couple of days, we um, actually all started working from home and you probably mm-hmm. sent students packing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So one, one thing we wanted to talk about with you and I'd sent you some questions, but we, uh, for the listeners, we, uh, Marconi and Phil took a bunch of students to Warner Music Group um, in March and Paul spoke and you had um, a 45 minute talk that got cut down to about 15, 20 minutes. And, but a lot of it was looking into your crystal ball to see what was gonna happen, uh, sort of what your, you and your people were thinking about for the future of the industry. And I thought it'd be really interesting to have you on and talk about that, especially now, because right before uh, or right after we met, um, Armageddon hit the industry. Uh, at least especially on the live side, and so much has changed. So what, 
trends are you seeing from your perspective at Atlantic streaming trends, whether it's audio, video over the past couple of weeks um, that, that you're seeing that are, that are different and not something you had expected had the world been continuing along its path? Um, okay, so I, I brought a little bit of um, public data just to sort of set the context because I think it's interesting to understand what the market's doing, the music market. Um, as you guys know, obviously, and it differs around the world, there are still lots of territories around the world that are heavily physical or, you know, large, you know, have a, a large percentage of their music industry still physical, think places like Germany and whatnot. Um, obviously, in those countries, lots of warehouses have shut down, right? Countries are treating this all very differently. And, and, and while in America, lots of warehouses are still operating in other places, they're not. So I think that that's an interesting thing to think about. Um, I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know if, you know, what happens after, right? So I don't know, do more people shift into digital markets like streaming and does physical change, right? So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, in the territories that were still heavily physical um, because this, you know, lots of things are right. Lots of changes are being forced upon us and we're all having to learn and react, um, including this type of conversation where I think there's so many people in the world who had probably never been on a video conference and now everyone's an expert. <clears throat> I, think, I think the physical music market will be interesting to think about and read and understand um, because perhaps when, everyone in other territories can go back to their local CD shop and buy CDs or, you know, or vinyl or whatever. That's just what they'll do. Um, it'll just be interesting. Um, so that's a thing in the United States specifically, um, you know, also interesting, you know, I, I, I think it's early, early to read into the streaming market in terms of what behavior will be over the next two, six, eight, 10, 12 days, weeks, months. Um, you know, early signs are that um, video streaming is, you know, flat to slightly up. Um, that's interesting. I think UGC, right, user-generated content where people are watching videos that are not official music videos and then listening to music at the same time um, is slightly up. Um, so that's all interesting to see the videos up. That makes sense, right, because we're all at home and we're all on computers and ranging from adults to kids and everyone's looking for things to entertain them and they're doing lots of consuming of video content. The audio market, um, the audio streaming market was slightly down over the last two weeks. Um, you know, and, and that's interesting, but you know, and people have been trying to figure out what do we read into that? Is that, does that mean that no one's going to stream music? That seems unlikely to me. Um, but you know, it, it may mean that um, people are doing lots more things because they're at home, but it all, and right, and clearly we've seen video go up a little bit. Um, I haven't looked at the, the um, streaming market, um, the like Netflix, you know, video streaming market um, to see what their numbers are doing. So I don't know if they're up or not. Um, my, my guess would be that they're probably up, um, but I don't actually know that. Um, I think that, um, I think we're going to see how this plays out as it relates to audio streaming, like the Spotify's and Amazon's and, and Apple music's of the world, because I'm not sure that the last 10 days or 12 or 15 days represent what all people are going to do 
if you know if we all remain quarantined for weeks, right? Because for the last 10 days, I at least know for myself and all the people that I know that I've been talking to, we've all been getting our lives in order, right? Kids are doing virtual school and trying to figure out how to do that and work that into their daily lives. Adults are trying to figure out how to work from home with lots of things going on around them. And so, you know, there's clearly, there's less people in cars and less people commuting and all that stuff. So it, that would impact your listening behavior. But, but I don't know what that means 10 days from now as we all adjust to a different kind of normal, right? So I think at least from my point of view, the data around the streaming market being flat to slightly down, it, I think Bill Gordon reported that it was slightly down, maybe like 3% or something, is interesting, but I, but I don't know that it predicts the next 10 days. I, I just think it's, we're going to have to see how this all evolves. Um, and then I think the other thing is that, you know, you, you, you know that artist messaging tends to lean towards both, you know, just artists engaging with fans and then also artists driving new music they put out, right? And artist messaging for the last 15 days has leaned towards driving all the live streaming that's going on, right? Lots of artists are doing all kinds of things from their living rooms to engage with fans and go live on every platform ranging from YouTube to TikTok to Instagram. And so I, I don't know how much of an impact that's having on, right? There's a timeshare. I'm watching the live stream on some platform, therefore I'm not listening to the song on some other platform. Yeah. But then there's also the, the energy that gets driven around artists telling people about new songs, which obviously if they're driving their live stream, they're not then necessarily driving directly the link to some DSP. So it'll just be interesting to see as the next 15 days evolve or 10 days or 30 days, um, you know, because I would assume that the live streaming um, that's happening will find a new level of normal. I don't think we're gonna see it continue to explode, right? Um, I think lots of artists are really enjoying it and lots of fans are really enjoying it. And then I think there are probably artists who will do it on more of a regular cadence. And then like, what does that do to all the other ways that you listen to music? So anyway, that was a lot, but I think that it like, it, it all interplays into the where are we today um, and, it, and it's like, well, it's, we're, in a, we're in a place data-wise in terms of what the metrics say, and it's complicated. And so the answer is, is it going to go up or down? It's complicated, and I don't know. I think another thing to, to add to that might be that it's springtime. If this was December 1st that this all started, and it was getting darker instead of brighter, and it was colder instead of warmer, that um, maybe people would be inside more. And uh, I think people getting out more might actually help audio because I think I went out yesterday, um, I was working and then I think at 4.30, I finally left the house and just went outside. And it was packed outside and it's like everybody did their thing. They were, they're working from home and they all wanted to just get out of the house. Um, and I think that the better the weather gets, you might see a lot more people then turning to back to audio or maybe some of those streams will help it remain at least flat as opposed to going down. That's a thought. Well, and then there's right. There's the, okay. So when it's 67, 80, 68, 72 degrees and I want to, you know, and I'm a, a parent or a child and I want to be outside to your point. Um, even in that example, people also listen to music, right? But yeah. right, right. So I get your point. The other side of this is sort of fascinating is we're obviously seeing um, anecdotally as well as data wise, 
Um, there's a lot of lean-in listening happening, right? We, there's no doubt in my mind that TikTok growth is, you know, has to be, um, well, you know, going on a hockey stick up um, and, and platforms that are very lean in, which is why I said UGC on YouTube is, is, is showing growth as well, um, at least, you know, over the last couple of weeks. So people are like leaning in and digging and, and you know, whatever. Whereas when you start sitting on your deck, it's a very lean back experience, right? Which is more like when you're in your car driving to work or when you're sitting on the subway listening to music. And so it'll be interesting to see how much of this sticks, uh, you know, 120 days from now versus how much of this is because we're all stuck in the house, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is really, it's hard to tell, I think. And uh, I think the live concert, if this was a regular year, the live concert business would be thinking weather. If, if the weather's, you know, uh, end of April is when all the festival season was going to start yeah. and if the weather was particularly bad, in certain areas where the festivals were going to be, um, I think that would be bad for the beginning of the festival season, just because ticket sales would be down. Um, people wouldn't be attending as much. You, you'd have less walk-up traffic to it. So I don't know. It's an interesting thought. Yeah. And then, right. So you started with that. You started with the live business, right? And so, you know, that's a, um, clearly a, a scary, you know, a scary part of the business for all of us, right? Those that are, in the industry and fans just watching, you know, con the concert world, um, you know, need to go on a dry spell right now. And it's not great as a fan because I love going to concerts, right? I know you guys go to concerts all the time as well. And I love with like being in the room and connecting with artists. There are, you know, the impact on the people that work on in that industry is terrible. Um, right. There, there've been, layoffs already associated with the live space and, and a lot um it's a place where artists um not only engage with fans but make money right um it's how fans often connect with the brand of an art like merch right the branding that they wear around town um so and and right and and the inter the other thing is a lot of those ticket sales aren't small venues that people walk up to but things that you plan ahead of time by months and so there's this like the things that would have been getting announced months from now and all you know, and all both the fan connection and the revenues side of that, that's all now on hold because who's announcing a giant summer tour right now? That doesn't seem like it, right? Mm -hmm. Too much um, uncertainty. So anyway, I just, I think the live space obviously will come back, but when I, I don't I don't know I don't I don't right we don't we don't know when people are going to be comfortable with being fifty other people in a room and then with being in an arena with twenty thousand people right and will they and when the authorities tell us it's safe will we trust them right so I I, I you know obviously there's not much to say from a data standpoint around that side of the business because it's you know effectively just off and it has moved to um the online space for now right the live streaming space and thank goodness that there's a way for artists to do that easily right thank goodness if this was 2002 the artists could not have done the things they're doing right technology has provided a way for people to still do this and i think we're going to see artists getting more and more creative right there's been some interesting things in the live space around like um there's a band named code orange who's under roadrunner who 
who had a venue. So they were supposed to perform to maybe, I think it was like 1,300, 1,500 fans. They turned it into a live stream, um, obviously emptied out the venue, right? Because they couldn't have fans there. And, they, and this was at the beginning of this. This was maybe all the way like 10 days ago or something. Um, and they performed to what effectively became like 13,000 people. So like 10 times more people than they would have performed to um, in an empty venue because they had the venue, right? They already booked it. It was already set up. They had the production ready. Um, so that was interesting. I think there's a lot of people, you know, whether it's the platforms or, um, you know, uh, like DSPs and other kinds of platforms or artists and promoters, lots of people looking at what does an online festival look like? And what is a, um, how do you bring, like, there's got to be lots of content that's never seen the light of day. And I, I think there's a lot of creative ideas we're going to see related to live to keep people engaged in the live space that are much more creative than just performances in the living room. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think over the next bunch of weeks, we're going to see that evolve as well as people get more and more creative. Yeah, the Dropkick Murphys did something similar. It was It's going back now two weeks to St. Patrick's Day, but they were supposed to have their big shows uh, that week in Boston because that's where they're from and that's their big date is St. Patrick's Day. It's like uh, mm -hmm. this time for, um, what? what's the, uh, what's the rock and roll Christmas stuff that, that tours just at Christmas time? Oh, um, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Yeah, Trans-Siberian, like, this for Dropkick Murphy's St. Patrick's Day is their winter like it is for Trans-Siberian Orchestra at Christmas. And they did the same thing, emptied out a venue, and they played, uh, I think there were maybe 20 people total in the room, but they had over 300,000 people watch between live streams and uh, the YouTube video that came out after. So it was a good win for them from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fascinating, right? And I think we're going to see super creative versions of that. And I think that's necessary because, you know, I don't personally think the online um, live stream experience replicates the concert experience. Mm -hmm. So I think that that market will come back eventually. But I think we need a bridge. We need artists to keep leaning in like that because it's good for them. It's good for fans. And it will help bridge the gap. And then... And then it'll be interesting to see if in the future, you know, we see more live streaming than we've seen in the past, right? And to complement the, the, the physical touring business. There, there may be some things that we can do um, creatively with virtual reality too. So we did a thing, Steve, a couple of, actually before this all started, um, there's a company called Wave XR. You guys should check it out. And actually, maybe you should have them on, this, on your show sometime. Um, and Wave has a virtual reality concert platform. Mm. We, did a, we did a concert. I'll send you a link. We did a concert with Galantis um, about, uh, about four weeks ago. It was late, late February. And it, it, it's super cool because you feel like you're in the venue, but the venue could be anything. The ven you know, Galantis had this super cool animated immersive experience where the more fans participated in different things, the more happened experientially. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, things like the more fans did a certain um, action, um, virtual Dolly Parton came out during the set because yeah. they have a song with Dolly Parton called Faith. So it's a pretty cool experience, really different from the 
you know, live stream, the right. traditional live stream, and not really right for everyone, but right for lots of people, and is mm-hmm. complementary to live experience, right? So mm-hmm. I think that maybe we're going to see a lot more of that as well over the coming weeks mm-hmm. or months. Um, quick question for you, because some people might be interested. We've had you on the show three times in the past. We haven't had you on in a little while, but uh, you you were VP of, of marketing and digital or executive VP for, for a while. You're GM of Atlantic. You've been that for about a year or so. Can you kind of explain what the job duties are of for the general manager of a major record label? Sure. So I think it depends on the, uh, the company, right? I think general manager, like um, general, as you said, or colonel, mm-hmm. um, depends on uh, on on where where you are. I think for Atlantic, and then for me specifically, because my role is different than my predecessor's role, even at Atlantic, and different than my predecessor's predecessor's role. Mm-hmm. Um, right, my job because I came from digital and actually still um, I still am in charge of digital strategy. My so I oversee. Uh, marketing, creative, um, all, all marketing, right? So tour marketing, digital marketing, traditional marketing, um, creative. I'm deeply involved in like the product planning and release planning. Um, I am uh, involved in obviously decisions around, a- you know, A&R signing, right? Meeting with artists and whatnot. Um, and then the general label operations of the company, right? So for example, the last 20 days have have had me put on my um, former IT hat and try to help our company very rapidly spin up tools to help us all work in a different environment. Um, So it ranges from marketing strategy and creative oversight and things like that to um, how do we make sure that everyone knows how to use video tools so we can communicate for the next 90 days or however long we're all home, right? Um, And so that's my... So that's sort of functionally what I do, but I think day to day, my job is really to cut across the whole company and make sure that every area of the company is fully integrated. So when there's a vision in A&R and it is, and we're bringing it to marketing and then we're thinking about touring and we're thinking about, um, you know, building the fan and we're thinking about the artist vision and we're thinking about the, the video content we're making we're thinking about our partners in streaming and whatnot. How do we make sure there's a thread that goes all the way through there? And that's, you know, and that's, that's really my job. And because I come from digital, my job is to make sure that we're constantly evolving how we do that. Um, so rather than just saying I'm in charge of connecting all the dots, I'm in charge of helping us connect the new dots together as well. And so I'm, I'm constantly looking at the how might we do this better? How might we, any part, any part of it. How might we bring digital and radio closer together? How might we bring, you know, the fact that Sirius owns Pandora? How might we like integrate that fully into an artist's life and into our company in a different way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our artist managers, um, for example, let's say I, I manage an artist and they were just signed to Atlantic. Am I trying to have meetings with you pretty regularly to make sure that you're still keeping the eye on the ball of my artist and what sort of my vision for the artist was as he or she is signed to Atlantic? 
Um, you know, I think the way at least Atlantic works is we're not, um, we don't view ourselves as a funnel. We're pretty flat. And so the answer might be yes, because there are lots of artists and managers that I'm personally close with. And so, it, you know, I, I guess as the general manager, they would, we would want to spend time together. But we, the way we operate is that artists and managers are comfortable with, with lots of people you're moving around. Are comfortable I had to, <laughs> it was getting too loud, so I'm sorry. They're comfortable with different people in the building depending on their relationships and and so we don't let um we don't let the company become a funnel where they need to meet with paul to move things forward or they need to meet with craig cowman or julie greenwald or any other senior person at the company we we leverage the fact that we're a big record label with lots and lots of employees and artists are um and artists are comfortable we're, we're, we're having visitors in the middle of the uh of the show yeah. it's fantastic. yes um, <laughs> radio so, um, so so anyway so the long way of saying like we try to keep it um wide instead of a funnel so that people form relationships and it's not about calling me to get things done it's about just talking to people that you you work with within the label and um and we all just stay connected so my job is to make sure we're all staying connected mm -hmm. cool um I thought that was good. Um, you have a meeting in three minutes, so I think you need to go, don't you? I do. Yes. It's not going to be as fun as this. No, it won't. I have one yeah, last I think, question. Uh, nothing's as fun as this. Um, what one last thing can I tell last you? Last question is, do you see a, a place for record companies in eSports? So I think that's one of the things coming out of this current new world right like every i mean you guys have known me long enough to know that i believe that every every year is a new world um i think I think that we're finding as an industry lots of opportunities to um things that we like we've been doing we know people in esports artists work with different leagues and teams and do cool mm -hmm. things and live streams with them and you know participate in in different versions of esports and whatnot but i think what you're finding is in a world where one of the you know the the raps that I've given you know to our company is we we went from a company that had um, lots of interconnected departments to hey we need to have more than four hundred digital marketers in the company now the entire okay. industry just became digital and how do we build around that and I hope that that's a forever thing not a you know not a quarantine thing that is the goal and so I think what you're seeing out of that is like our let, let's pick a department. Our sync team, for example, um, a lot of this gaming world is tied to licensing. And so our sync team also does licensing. And so they would have been talking to the gaming companies, not necessarily the leagues, right? Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, they have a bunch of people on their team that are super into gaming. And so they're very plugged into the relationship side of esports. And so we said, cool. The sync business is clearly slow right now because unfortunately a lot of production has shut down. Sure. And so we should be deeper in things like esports and and what does that mean? And it's not about licensing. It's a, it's about like maybe it's that too. But like what else could artists be doing to connect with fans that are home gaming? And what else can artists be doing to connect with fans around fitness and wellness? Lizzo did a meditation thing last a couple weeks, two weeks ago. Right? Like there's all these areas that in a world where you have to pick and choose because you shouldn't try to be everything. Um, those are things that maybe labels did 
a bit with, and now they're doing, trying to do or doing a lot more with because mm -hmm. the whole world is different over the last 15 days. So mm -hmm. I think that's phenomenal because I think it potentially opens up a new future for a lot of areas. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> you can let them go now. 30. We don't want you to get mad at us. Yeah. Um, I love you guys. All right. Stay very nice. Stay well. Please do. Yes. Yeah. Stay safe. You too, you and the family. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Pleasure. Bye, Paul Sinclair. Bye. Bye. Woo, woo, woo. Love you, miss you. Take care. Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye. All right. That was, woo, that was Paul Sinclair. All right. Good? He, he gave us some good information. Yes. And we should um, thank people for listening. Normally, we have Ashley Veltner, uh, our German engineer who... Uh, in the booth with us in the radio station, but we are not in the radio station because of the, as you called it, Marconi, uh, the Petri dish. The, uh, the, right, and those what, what you, studios are. That's right, studio, the studio where we record uh, our yeah. radio show. No good. So, um, less Petrius, Petri-esque yeah. this way. So, uh, coming up, we have Keith Halprick. Pritch, I believe is how I say his name, and some of us may say it that way too, who's the executive VP and general counsel of BMG, and mm -hmm. then Hyman, who's a, a VP of A&R at BMG as well. So those are a couple of guests we have coming up. And then we're going to try and do a couple more of these sessions, I think, doctor. Yes. So listeners, stay tuned, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, at the end of every show, we don't say bye-bye, you know? Hey, I've said it already. We say, as we say, adios. Uh, All right, and so.
bonita And your mind like a picha Get respect like Aretha Like a savage religion And her beauty is deeper These words 